the not very nice and anatomically inaccurate prophecies of Oh Lord Heal the Server. Clones The Muffin Man by Entangled Now Read by Literarian Crowley hasn't been to see him for quite some time. Aziraphale had left several messages on his answering machine, though they've gone ignored so far. Which had led him to having a quick look across London to reassure himself that the demon was safely tucked away in his flat and not in some sort of terrible peril that he needed rescuing from. It all points rather depressingly to another one of Crowley's extended naps, and some of those had gone on for years. Honestly, they've been enjoying each other's company without the demands and constant surveillance of heaven and hell for a few months. This is very rude of him. It only occurred to Aziraphale after he'd already spent two days wandering the bookshop in a miserable funk that he could wake him up. They only have each other now, and he's sure he could think of a perfectly reasonable excuse as to why he needs Crowley to be awake. Or, or he could tell him the truth, be a little bit brave, and admit that he missed him. He thinks they can say things like that to each other now. Yes. Aziraphale stops in at the bakery and buys half a dozen of the dark chocolate muffins which he's known Crowley to choose for himself when he thinks no one's looking. He takes the box of them up the lift to Crowley's flat, the warm chocolate scent of them drifting upward appealingly. He spends a few moments briefly rehearsing different things that he might say. How he'd stretched the truth just a little when Crowley inevitably asked why he'd woken him up. Perhaps he would even be pleased to see him. The door's locked up tight, but it opens for him without question, and he chooses to ignore the brief pang of guilt at the fact that he's technically walking in without permission. He has muffins! He heads quickly for Crowley's bedroom, gently pushes open the doorway, then abruptly stops a foot inside, because Crowley isn't alone in the bed. Though that isn't strictly true, because though there are four people in the bed, not one of them is a stranger. The Crowley in the centre is sprawled naked on his back, arms stretched out across the pillows, though the bends of his elbows are both occupied. On the left side, there's another Crowley, with long waves of auburn hair and a dash of smeared lipstick on his cheek. He's curled into the first Crowley's side so intimately that not a speck of light would make it between them. He's wearing a silky camisole that would have brushed the tops of his thighs if he was standing, but has been drawn up indecently by the roll of his body, leaving the spare curves of his buttocks completely bare. The rounded underside of his balls is visible where his right leg is pulled up, with the shadowed promise below it just out of Aziraphale's sight. On Crowley's right is a vision of him with a scatter of dark scales up his long legs, and a further wave of them flows up his naked spine.
His hair is a long, rust-colored plait, left to snake across the sheets behind him, and one dark claw is spread lazily across Crowley's sleeping chest. The face is still undoubtedly Crowley's, but the angles feel sharper, the mouth stretched a little wider by the bulk of his teeth and the solid hinge of his jaw. The length of a forked tongue slips from that open mouth to flutter across the central Crowley's sleeping chest. Though the scaled Crowley is nude as well, there's no genitalia to be seen, just a long slit at his pelvis, the edges raised pink and glistening. Sprawled between Crowley's legs is a third duplicate. Hair short and messy, he's wearing a thin fabric tie and one sock. His face is pressed into Crowley's hip, his wet mouth half open and intimately close to the softness of Crowley's cock, where it's resting in red curls. Both his dark-nailed hands are flung outward to grasp the legs of the Crowleys on either side. There are sharp, hot handprints on the small curve of his behind, and his lazily spread legs leave enough evidence of pleasure to have Aziraphale's cheeks washing a ferocious red. The muffins have spent the few seconds it had taken him to absorb the entire tableau gently sliding from his hands, and they finally reach the point of no return and slip from his grasp, falling to the floor. Two of them bounce. One rolls under the bed. He's not sure if he makes a noise. But the door behind him swings open and a fifth Crowley, the real Crowley, as Raphael understands immediately, comes to an abrupt stop, towel still held over his wet hair. Aziraphale! He looks at the bed, looks back at the angel and then looks horrified all at once. I can explain. I swear. Aziraphale waits. Crowley seems to realize there needs to be an explanation forthcoming. Uh, oh, fuck. All right, fine. I was bored and I made duplicates and our game of Twister got very fucking out of hand. He admits awkwardly. I didn't originally intend to... to... He looks back at the bed, where the version of himself in the short black camisole is now awake and balanced on one hand, his eyes fixed on the both of them, mouth smeared shockingly red. One of the thin straps of his lingerie is dangling off a shoulder and his nipples are visible through the sheer fabric. Aziraphale has never been so aroused in his entire life. I brought muffins, he says, in what probably isn't a sensible tone of voice. It sounds almost accusing. Crowley winces, regards the scatter of muffins on the floor. Perhaps we could all share, he says desperately, as if trying to force everything about this situation to be normal. Aziraphale is trying to concentrate. He really is but all four Crowleys on the bed are now stretching and shifting in a way that keeps drawing his eyes. The muffins? he asks stupidly. Crowley looks from Aziraphale to the bed and back again. Or, or 
Anything else that takes your fancy? He says slowly.